Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church, where we talk about the intersection between Christ, church, and the contemporary culture around us. Welcome back to Crossroads. I'm your host, Will Leitner. Today we have a special guest, Michael Alsip with REFI. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for spending time sitting with us. Um, for those that are listening, the, the Crossroads kind of podcast idea is that we sort of catch people um, coming in and out of Auburn since it's a transient college town and kind of take the wisdom and lessons that we can get from them. And so today with Michael also, we're going to talk about ministering to international students, evangelism. But before we get into all of that, I'd love for you to tell us all how you ended up here in the Lovelace Village on the Plains. Okay, well... I was a student here in Auburn just a few years ago, let's see, from 79 to <laughs> 83, I think. Then I worked for a couple of years down in Mobile uh, for a company uh, writing computer software. And and then the, through the influence of a couple of men, uh, Dr. Uh, Alderman and Dr. Dole, who were both in Auburn, they encouraged me to come back to Auburn and work, uh, pursue a ministry. And so I came back to Auburn Golly, probably in, in the late 80s, and I worked with a ministry to international students for about four years, and then I uh, married my wife, Kelly. She and I headed to seminary, uh, really planning on going into missions. Uh, had an MDiv in, uh, MDiv in uh, missions emphasis, and, and ended up uh, in Opelika working with uh, Dr. Doyle as an associate pastor for a number of years. And uh, went went to a lot of mission trips over the years and then ended up uh, in Troy as a pastor for about 16 years. And it was in Troy that I began to engage international students again. They had a lot of students there. And so I was pastoring a church, but also engaging uh, students from all over the world, which I have always really enjoyed. And uh, I was serving on the RUF uh, State Committee through our presbytery. And we were looking for another guy to come to Auburn to work with internationals. And a lot of guys knew I was engaged with students in Troy. And they said, hey, why don't you go back to Auburn and work with RUFI? And initially I said no. But then as I thought about it, I thought, you know, I love this ministry and I love Auburn. Why wouldn't I do that? So Mm -hmm. that's how we ended up back here. We moved to Auburn about uh, two years ago, right before COVID hit, uh, to uh, engage students here. They're about a Golly, there's several thousand students here from all over the world. In fact, there are students here that are that are very difficult. Uh, they're from places that are very difficult for, for Christians to go for any length of time. So most of the students that are studying in the U.S. are, are really from the 1040 window, which is the area of the world where uh, there are the fewest Christians that we're trying to send missionaries. They send their brightest students to the state, so they're like a million international students. Most of them are from uh, from that area, and and so like I mean, I have friends from from Iran. Now it's very difficult for Christians to go to Iran and do ministry mm-hmm. without being thrown in jail. But I can become really good friends and and share my life and share the gospel with them when they study here. Forty percent of the world's leaders studied in the U.S. historically. State Department believes that that will continue, that the future leaders of the world wow. are in the states now. 
And so uh, this is just mission at our doorsteps. We should be engaging them. Right. And so there are students from mainland China, from, golly, India, from all over the Middle East, uh, and, and they are more open while they're studying here. They're out of their culture. They're interested, many of them, in, in learning about American culture and beliefs. And so, so we uh, seek to engage them and introduce them to other, uh, to other Christians in our community. And, and uh, Lord willing, uh, see them come to faith. Right. And so what does like RUFI or RUF uh, International do on like a, a semester basis with these students? Are you all hosting events or are you meeting with them? What does it sort of look like? Well, this fall, we will have uh, what's called a dinner and discussion on Friday evenings where we will invite, uh, we'll target all the new uh, students that are coming this year, and we'll send an invitation to all of them through the university. The university allows us to, uh, to uh, advertise through, through them, so we, uh, so we will uh, send out invites to a lot of students, and we will have dinner and we will invite a lot of Americans to come, and and through that uh, through that we will begin to develop relationships, and then we will have smaller group meetings during the week. Like I'll have, you know, I generally have a group that meets in my home uh, one evening. I have another group that meets in the afternoon. Like we have something called uh, a study cafe where we open up our home and we have a lot of tables kind of in the backyard, and students can come over and study and. And we serve them coffee and, and some kind of snack. And so, because these students study a lot. So mm -hmm. we, that's just a way that we can engage them. They'll come over or I'll meet them for lunch. I go on campus. I, once I get to know them well, I can drop by their office. Because the ones that I engage with mostly are PhD students. So they'll be here, you know, four or five years. They'll have an office. They do research. Many of them love to have American friends. And so there are just lots of opportunities like that to right. engage them. What would you say to the college student that is having a hard time deciding between ministering to their fraternity or sorority or their major or specifically people from their country or international students? You know, uh, it's interesting. Some people just have a heart for the nations uh, because of exposure that they've had in the past. Uh, those people who generally uh, are interested in international students it's because they've been overseas before, and and that has opened their eyes to this to this ministry, and so. Uh, but I would encourage you know Americans just just to maybe have a friend with an international. The internationals really love to have an American friend. They want to experience American culture, uh, and and many of them come here and don't really have a close American friend, and and it's not that different from having any other kind of friend once you get to know them. When I was in Troy, I met this uh, uh, young Arabic guy at the gym. And I just saw him week after week, and I would talk to him. And then one week, uh, uh, we went to lunch. His English was really bad, so we had to use Google Translate to even talk. Uh, but then I began to uh, work out with him at the gym. This guy was knew all about working out, and mm -hmm. I know very little. And so I would work out with him, and I would teach him English. We became really, really close friends. And, uh, and then he ended up living with our family for a season. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and when I learned his, you know, his history, it was really quite amazing. Uh, he was from a Middle East country and had just 
experienced a, a, a lot of a uh, lot of challenges uh, just through the conflicts that were going on uh, in his country. And uh, but I mean we're we're just really close friends. He's like a part of our family now. He's still he he's finishing his school in another state, but he will still call me regularly, visit on holidays. I just got a text from another student just as we're talking, and uh, he's a young man who's comes from a very wealthy family uh, in 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 Asia, and uh, we became really good friends. And he, uh, I mean, he also stays in touch and, and still comes to visit us. And he started coming to our church. I invited him to come to a Wednesday night supper. And this young man who was had no interest in religion, but he came and I said, listen, this is what's going to happen. We're going to eat dinner. We're going to, uh, you can sit with, you know, different people, get to know people in the community. I'll, I will teach a short Bible lesson and I will pray. So he comes to that and he starts meeting these families. And before you know it, he starts, every time the church doors are open, this guy is there. Why is he there? He is there because families in our church had reached out to him. They just befriended him. Mm -hmm. And so he just, man, he came, to, he came to everything. And then he became to be more open to having conversations about, uh, about faith. And one day he said, you know, I, I don't believe in God, but if I did, I would be a Presbyterian. <laughs> And that was hilarious. And, and why was that? Is because he researched all the denominations? No, because these Christians in our church just loved him. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And then he started asking me to pray for him about things. You know, would you pray for me about so-and-so? I was like, now, now tell me, who am I praying yeah. to? And, and why are you asking me to pray if you don't believe, you know? And, and this is kind of how students come to faith. It's kind of over a period of time. It's generally not a one-time event. Right. You know, and so... You know, I've connected him with another uh, Christian couple. He's he's living in a different state, and and he is connected to another couple who is a graduate from Auburn that I that I knew, uh, and they are uh, taking him and and his uh, friend to church. So it's it's interesting. So it's it's friendship evangelism is what it is. And I've heard that said before. I've uh, like the whole idea of you. It's really important to have a relationship before you evangelize with someone. And kind of the differing styles, I've heard it said erosion evangelism or pickaxe evangelism. And I have a hard time with that because I'm a, more of a pickaxe kind of guy. Like it's very tough for me to not want to get to the meat when I'm sitting down with someone. I'm also a scaredy cat. So once I'm there, I feel like I have to go all in. But help someone that um, is try, trying to find that balance of they want to establish a, relation, a relationship, but then they also want to make sure they're not, you know, shying away from sharing the truth. Does that make sense? It, it very much does. And, you know, I might, in a first conversation with someone, talk with them about the gospel. Uh, and it really just depends on the circumstance and and the person. I mean, I've had I've had very deep conversations at a, at a first-time event. But I, I'm very much interested in, in wanting to know what they believe first. I kind of want to know where to start. I don't, I don't have the same approach uh, with every person, depending on you know what area they're from. If they're from, if they're from you know an Asian country where they are atheistic, and if they tell me they're an atheist, I say, are you an atheist or an agnostic? 
I said, you can't really be an atheist. You have to be an agnostic if you want to be intellectually honest. Because mm -hmm. an atheist says there is no God. And I'll say, well, I mean, do you know all things? No, you probably don't. So could God exist outside, the, outside of your knowledge? He might. So it might, better, it might be more honest to say you're an agnostic, that you don't know that there is a God. And, and my approach to an agnostic is very different from my approach to a Muslim or my approach to uh, a Hindu or somebody from India or a Buddhist. I mean, every, everyone has a, a different kind of background. And so, you know, how I, how I get to the gospel might be different, but the gospel that never changes. Right. But how I might get to the gospel with those people might be a little, is generally different. You know, Muslims believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They just think Jesus is a prophet. Mm -hmm. You know, probably uh, those from India are Hindus. Right? They believe everything. <laughs> They're happy with Jesus and <laughs> Muhammad and everybody else. One big happy family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was hilarious. But, you know, one uh, one day I had some students over at my house. And this one particular graduate student had been in the States a while and had known, has known a lot of Christians. He understands what we believe fairly well. And and then there was this other student who was from a country, and this, this student claimed to be a Christian, and he just didn't think she was. Now, he's from... You know, he, he's Hindu. And so he said, he said, uh, he said, Mike, do you think that, um, that this person is a Christian? And he said that in front of this person, this other student. And I said, and, and, the, and, and she looked at me and she looked very uncomfortable. And I was like, oh no, this is going to get awkward. Oh, no. And I said, well, I, I said, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I can't really judge her heart. I don't, I don't know which she truly believes. I can tell you what a Christian must believe to be a Christian. And he said, well, tell, tell us that. So I kind of run through the gospel and, you know, the personal work of Christ. And then he looks at her and says, do you believe that? Wow. And she says, yes. And he said, well, why do you believe these other things which are inconsistent with that? And then he looks at me and says, Mike, doesn't Jesus say he's the only way? And I said, yep, it does. Jesus says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then he looks at her and says, you believe things that are inconsistent. Jesus claims to be the way. And 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 she says, do you believe he's the way? It was just really funny. And I started laughing. I said, this is the first time I've ever seen a Hindu share the gospel, gospel. with somebody who who says they're a Christian. Right. And the other Americans who were sitting around felt very uncomfortable because they were wanting to, you know, they felt bad for this for this young lady. Uh, but it was just fascinating. It was it was really a lot of a lot of fun. Do you feel like there's a difference? Like you were talking about the different approaches that you go for, like you know, before you share the gospel. Do you feel like a lot of it is more intellectual that you like people have intellectual problems? Like a lot of Islam's are you're discussing the manuscript history and the difference between Muhammad and Jesus, or do you feel like a lot of the international students are more cultural? with their faith and sort of how do you go about dealing with those different branches of religions? Yeah, I would say uh, the students that are here are very much like Americans. You know, if you ask most Americans if they're a Christian, a lot of them will say that they are. But then when you begin to ask them more questions, you find out they really don't practice it. They, they claim to be a Christian because they're not a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist. They're a Christian. They believe in God. And they might even say they believe in Jesus but uh, in terms of, you know, really following uh, Jesus, they don't. And I find that with a lot of internationals, too. Uh, a lot of Muslims uh, will, might say that they're Muslim, but they don't really practice it. I've got this one friend, and 
And, and I tease him. I was like, you are a terrible Muslim. If you're going to claim to be a Muslim, you need to follow what it says. And, you know, so, so anytime Ramadan shows up, I'll text him and I'll say, all right, no eating this week. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a Muslim, I said, but if you're a Christian, you know, we're not having to fast for a month. You might want to consider it. Right. You know, Good advertising. I, I really just teasing him, but I know him well. Uh, but a lot of Muslims are, are, are that way. They, uh, might pick and choose what they want to follow and, and, uh. And so, uh, so conversations with them can be very different. But if you can get someone to just kind of look at the person and work of Christ, I don't worry so much about what people believe. I think uh, the gospel, I mean, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, uh, and so I think just reading and, and, and talking through what, Jesus said and did is powerful. Mm -hmm. And they might say that they don't believe it. That's okay. Uh, but how can they believe in him whom they've not heard? Right. How can they hear unless one is sent? And so our job isn't necessarily, we can't make someone believe, but we can share the truth with them. You know, the Lord uh, uses us. We're, you know, we're his instruments, but it is the Lord who saves. And so, uh, so our job is, uh, is to is to to seek to share with people. We're we're just merely his instruments, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I do. Th I mean, I you know, Paul said he became all things to all people that by all means he might win some, you know. And so he had different approaches to you know in terms of to the Jews, those in under the law, and those without the law. And and so that's kind of our approach too. And so. If you kind of know what somebody believes, then you know how to, uh, where to start, so to speak. So uh, I may not have the same beginning pre-evangelism. The things that we might talk about in the beginning might be a little bit different, uh, but the gospel is is the same. And when you uh, are explaining the person work of Christ, is there a go-to passage that you're pulling to, or a specific book of the Bible that's the one you'll always point people towards? You know that uh, that is a good question. I think uh, studying through uh, any of the of the gospels is uh, about Jesus' life is is very important. I'd rather study through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Now Matthew's pretty long. It was kind of written more toward a Jew Jewish background. Mark is kind of shorter, uh, has less narratives, but uh, it's something that you can kind of get a a perspective of, of his life and what he did and what he said. It's not going to have as many parables, you know, but like, say, a Hindu, the, uh, John might be really a better book because it really does have, uh, 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 it has a little bit different approach than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it depends on where they're from and how much time they have. But if they'll sit down and look at the Bible, you know, and just read through it and discuss it, I met a mainland Chinese years ago, and he wanted to practice English, and so we did it with the Bible. And so I would, uh, I would ask him to read, I would correct his English, and then I would take the Bible from him, and then I would ask him questions about what he just read. And that was for reading comprehension. Well, the guy was brilliant. And he, when he came here, he was an atheist or an agnostic. And then over time, he... Uh, he uh, 
he went from saying he didn't believe there was a God to he thought there was a God to uh, to one day he said, I believe. Uh, and I said, what do you believe? <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> and he had come to faith. And uh, he's, you know, he's married now. He married a, uh, a gal who also is a Christian now. And, and uh, their children are baptized. So, you know, and that was just through reading the Bible with him. And, and also, I mean, you know, he, there were other influences. I mean, he lived with me for a while. Uh, and another Christian guy. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And do you f- like? Do you feel that there's a different approach friending an American as opposed to friending an international student? I'm just thinking the person that could be listening listening to this podcast and says, "All right, I know I need to befriend an international student. Like, where do they go from there? They take them out to Moe's Barbecue and have some wings, or you hang out by the student center, or you know, w- what do you think it looks like?" to befriend an international student? You know, it, 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 I mean, people, I, I find that people are people no matter where they're from. If you get below the surface, they're not very different. And so getting to know international uh, is not different from getting to know American. You, you might feel a little awkward at first because maybe there are some cultural differences. You know, I'm not going to invite, you know, a Muslim over and serving pork. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm going to have them over for food, I'll just ask them, do you have any food restrictions? Is there anything you don't eat? Because some internationals don't eat meat. Uh, that some don't eat pork. So, uh, some don't eat beef. So chicken is always safe. I haven't found anybody that doesn't eat <laughs> everybody chicken. Everybody loves chicken. Everybody eats chicken. So, you know, we all chicken is kind of our go-to on our Friday night meals. Everybody eats fish. Those are two safe things. Uh, or you, you, you have multiple meats. But, yeah, I mean, they just, you know, I used to... I, I was really good friends with these two students. One was from China and one was from the Middle East. And those two became friends through me. And the three of us would do things together. It was hilarious. So I have a Muslim and, and, a, and, a, and a Chinese guy. And, and they came from really different cultures. Uh, you know, the, the Muslim guy, I mean, they were just very relational. And, and the Chinese guy, they were much more reserved. But this Muslim guy really brought him out. It was it was really fun to watch over time, mm-hmm. uh, and so the three of us, uh, we, the Chinese guy just really enjoyed drinking beer, and the Muslim guy didn't drink at all, right? So he was always trying to get the Muslim guy to taste beer when we would go out for like dinner. Some or something. healthy peer pressure. Oh, it was it was just so funny to me, uh, and I'm a lot older than these guys too. I've noticed the international students they uh, they just you don't really age out with them. You can. You know, so if you're a family, you don't have to be their age. Uh, you can be older than them, and you know they they are they tend to be very family oriented. So they love to, you know, have a meal with the family or, or even a peer. So it's not hard to make friends with them, but you know you're not going to be easy. And it's kind of like you're you have more in common with some than others. Even you know people build friendships around you know common ideas or common interests and. Same thing with international. So some are just easier to befriend than others. And mm-hmm. so that's why we have these big groups. We invite a lot of internationals. We invite a lot of Americans. And that way you can uh, you can just meet a lot of different people and kind of find someone that maybe you have some things in common with. If you, Some of them like to play sports. You know, so like this fall we're going to have some pickleball games because that's an easy sport that people can play. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to invite some Americans, some internationals, and play pickleball regularly. 
some of them love to play basketball or love to play tennis or whatever. And, you know, you can find them, find uh, just, you know, common things like that. They love to, they love to eat. Everything, uh, food is huge, you know, so mm-hmm. almost everything we do involves food or chai or, you know, things like this. And is there a problem with dealing with a language barrier and how do you handle that? Well, you don't speak like I'm speaking on this podcast. You speak <laughs> very slowly. slow. Yeah, but some of them, their English is great. It depends on the student. But when I'm with internationals, I, I, I just, I speak slower and I, I pronounce the words more clearly. And if they say something and I don't understand, I just ask them to repeat it. I'll say, say that again. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. And sometimes it's, difficult or, or they tell me their name and I'm like oh wow what was that and so I might say would you spell that and when I can hear it spelled then I can maybe uh, say it better you know and they don't mind doing that and, right and and they're the ones who are having trouble with the English and so I will help them and they want to learn so sometimes I'll just have conversation English with them and and uh you know, if they want to practice their English and I can correct them or, you know, things like that. And isn't it that every international student, at least at Auburn, has to take a baseline English comprehension kind of exam? Yeah, if they're here studying. Now, the undergrad students that come here uh, through uh, Global, uh, they may come here in the first year, they just take English classes. And and then they have to pass a... a, a a test called the TOEFL test, which is kind of an English comp- comprehension test, and they have to get a certain score in order to be able to, you know, go to graduate school. Say so, all the all the graduate students that are here have already passed the TOEFL test. They can't be admitted into graduate school mm-hmm. without that. Undergrads, you know, they might be doing English, and then after they finish, then they will uh, study, you know, a subject. Right. It is kind of sad how how often that's an excuse at least I make with people at this school is we don't speak the same language so it's probably not you know I'm not going to take the time to sit and speak slowly and get to know them more have you ever met an international student well well I I've gotten to know some from some like campus organizations but not really like that was one thing that I kind of regret about my college experience was like I, I was involved in my fraternity, and that's kind of where I sort of viewed this is going to be my, where my ministry is. Yeah. And um, well, you can't do everything, right? You, know, you have to kind of pick something. And and some people are more, I think, uh, geared toward international student friendships, uh, and then than others. Some people are, are are better. Some families are, and so like we'll help people to learn how to engage students. Because there are just certain things that might, you know, are helpful. Guys need to engage guys. Girls need to engage girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you if a girl engages an international student who is who is a, who is a, a male, then the, there may be a lot of misunderstandings that the girl might not even know about. So right. I've seen that happen. Uh, depending on what part of the world they're from and how girls in their country act and. So you act in certain ways, and they interpret that through their kind of cultural grid and right. 
draw all kinds of wrong conclusions. I always say, guys engage guys, girls engage girls. Mm-hmm. I'm so much older than them, it doesn't matter who I engage. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm older than their dad. So, <laughs> so uh, it, you know, but I'm still, I'm, but I, I still, you know, am, am uh, careful, you know, if I meet girls. Well, if someone wants to get involved with RUF International and they want to participate in some of these dinner discussions, where do they go from here and how can they get in contact with you? Well, uh, yeah, right now we are, we're recruiting some volunteers that can help us on Fridays. Uh, and, and so we've reached out to, to some local churches asking them to help us because uh, one thing is, you know, food is a big thing for international. So we're going to be cooking food on Fridays and having a big meal. If you feed them, they will come, or at least many of them will. Students, Americans will the same way. Mm-hmm. Free food, they will show mm-hmm. up. And so we're looking for some folks who can help us with food. Uh, we'll be kind of providing the meat. We'll be cooking that. But people help us with sides. We're looking for people who can engage students. So on Friday nights, we'll, you know, we'll have some activities that will you know, help to get to know some of the students. And then you can pursue a relationship with them outside of Friday night if you want to. But the Friday is kind of a big gathering time where you can come. And 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 if you're unsure, it's a place just to come and, and just kind of experience it, see what it would be like. Right. And uh, some people will find, ah, oh, this is not something I'm great at or, wow, this is something I, I could really enjoy doing. So. And if they are trying to contact RUFI, is that something they'd go through like a website or through social media you know uh probably a good thing to do is uh is to contact me uh through uh either my email address or uh we do have a website you can look up refi at auburn uh through the ref uh, website and that will give you the contact information or you can uh you can email me great well, I don't think maybe you should share the uh, your phone number over the podcast. But it's probably not a great idea. We can get you in contact. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today, Michael. I really enjoyed the conversation, and it definitely has is going to be, I think, helpful for people that want to minister more to international students wherever they are. So thank you. Thank you. This has been great. All right. Thank you for listening to Crossroads, and we'll see you guys at the next episode.